Favorite Neighbors. This is Sis. This is Squirt. Previously on My Favorite Neighbors. So the three-episode rule came from the three-song rule for buying CDs. So we do the same thing for TV shows. We give TV shows three episodes because we all know that the pilot is wonky and pilots are shot sometimes years before the show comes to TV. And generally by the third episode, the vision that the show is going to be has been established. And you can tell if you're going to like it or not. Right. Okay. In love with. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. All right. My first one is Two Broke Girls. Mm Mm-hmm. From the first episode. I even think it was before the title sequence. Mm-hmm. They had the joke about the hipsters. Mm-hmm. And I was in. I was sold. And I loved it. Based on watching the previews, you kind of get the concept that it's going to be this very street smart, sassy, dark haired Kat Dennings mm-hmm. character. Mm-hmm. Taking care of this Paris mm-hmm. Hilton from a simple life who like knew nothing. Yes. And you're, it's going. the comedy is going to turn on the smart one being completely disgusted that the blonde one knows nothing. Right. No, the blonde one's smart. Yeah. Which I like. She's a little naive, like you said, a little naive, a little dim about certain things simply because she's just never had to deal with them. Right. Which I like that aspect, but she's not stupid. I like that they made her character that way because if they made her the dumb blonde type character, it, just it wouldn't would, have lasted. It would have been a completely no. flat show. Yeah. The chemistry between the two of them and the fact that they have this goal of raising money for. I love that. I love that. That that sort of okay. This is a sitcom and it doesn't necessarily need to go all together. But there's this overarching dream mm-hmm. for this show, this season, whatever. Of we're gonna raise a bakery. So yes. at the end, they do the ching, and you yes. can see. I love that. I think that is such an awesome touch. It is. And it gives them, an, it gives you as a viewer, like, some legitimacy as to why they would stick together. Yes. Like, past the whole Kat Dennings being altruistic. Right. Like, just like, you know what? I can't let this poor girl out in the cold without anything. You're like, okay, that'll last me three episodes. Right. It's more than odd couple. It's yes. just, and I really, really like it. Mm-hmm. I think what they could probably do a little more with, because, again, I really, really love the show. I think I think the pacing is great. I think the casting is great. I think the storylines are good. They sort of continue to turn on a few of the same jokes, but they're mm-hmm. jokes that I like, so I like them, mm-hmm. which is, you know, jokes about hipsters and how mm-hmm. silly they are. The only thing that I think they can maybe add in is, and I, we don't really have a title for this, because in dramas it's a Scooby gang, but it's mm-hmm. not a Scooby gang, but just bringing in a few more of the people, it's the characters. characters. Yeah. yeah, like they've got Han, and mm-hmm. I know some people find it offensive because he has such a strong accent, but I don't mind that. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've got Oleg and, um, oh, the black guy who runs a cash register. Yeah, I can't remember his yeah. name. Mm-hmm. But, like, having them interact a little bit more mm-hmm. with the two waitresses Mm -hmm. whose names I've forgotten right Mm -hmm. now uh, might grow into that but I really like it just Max and Caroline Max and Caroline I really like it just as it is Mm -hmm. I'm I'm totally down with the show Mm -hmm. I think it is so very fun. Yeah. I know there's been pushback and there people have been like, oh, I just don't find it funny. And I was like, have you watched it? <laughs> like, there's, I feel that I understand humor, lots of different types of humor, and mm-hmm. I can get lots of different types of humor, and certain types of humor are just not my cup of tea, but mm-hmm. I get how people think it's funny. Right. I think the humor, and I really don't like stupid humor. One of my favorite jokes is, what do you call cheese? It's not your own. Nacho cheese. Right. I think that's hilarious. It's dumb humor, but I think it's hilarious. But I, re- I really hate stupid humor, like poop joke. But I think it's relatively smart humor, and anybody with that wants to, I feel, respect themselves, like think I'm a relatively intelligent, like it gives you those type of jokes. Mm-hmm. Two Broke Girls was written by Whitney Cummings. Mm-hmm. 
she's sort of been having a two sides of the coin sort of scenario where one of her shows is getting great press mm-hmm. and great reviews and the other one's getting sort of semi-panned, mm-hmm. which is Whitney itself. Yeah. I like mm-hmm. Whitney. If I were to, ha- if I had to rate one that I liked more than the other, yes, I like Two Broke Girls more than I like Whitney. Mm-hmm. But I still really like Whitney. I think it's a really fun show. The, the claims I've heard on it mm-hmm. are that it turns on old stereotypes about gender ideals Mm -hmm. in that Whitney is sort of the non-girl and the jokes are about her being a non-girly girl or you know a non-girly girl in a relationship some of it but I think that some of it is even being a quote-unquote non-girly girl she's a real girl in this time period mm-hmm. like i've told you this and i've never she reminds me of a co-worker of mine yeah. and that's what and maybe that's just personal to me that's what makes it really damn funny i and that's the thing is like i disagree about her turning on the non-girly girl stereotypes because people's reaction to whitney like when i told them about that like they hate it with a passion yeah like it's visceral like oh my god i can't stand that show it's so horrible mm-hmm. she's so obnoxious I don't get it because here's the reason why I don't get it. To me, it seems exactly like I Love Lucy. Like, <laughs> I really don't see how it is any different. Yeah, I mean, it's not, once again, it's not like complete highbrow, like, a, you know, comedy. It's not anything new. Mm-hmm. But I Love Lucy is like standard, classic fair mm-hmm. in, in my head that's what it is she is like lucy her and her girlfriends get themselves into these troubles because whitney has an idea as to how <laughs> yes. things are supposed to go and then her and then chris delia comes in and is like whitney what did you do oh i love you anyway ha 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 episode's over and i'm like so why is everyone so upset about this com- you know what i mean that's exactly that's a really good analogy it's, i never thought about it but that's exactly exact, right in, in my head like, yes. i was like it's just like I Love Lucy. Yes. And and while, yeah, it's not new, mm-hmm. I Love Lucy is entertaining. I still watch episodes. There's a whole store dedicated to it at Universal Studios. Yes. They sell crap, like, for tons and tons of money. Mm-hmm. And I just, so I just don't get why people have such this visceral I hate reaction to it. Because I'm like, have you, have you not seen classic 50s TV? <laughs> like, this is what it is yeah. updated for our time frame. Yeah. And yeah, while you're saying, like, Lucy is a girl, non-girl, like, I mean, not Lucy Whitney. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, I mean, and yes, it does kind of turn on those classic gender roles, but hello, so did Friends. Yeah. Like, I mean, I just, I just don't, and so does Happy Endings. Like, I... So I just don't understand the visceral gut, like, oh, my gosh, she's so annoying. I'm kind of like she's like every other if anything. She's like a classic sitcom brought back to TV. And I think people would like it more. I I just don't understand why people hate it so much. But I wonder if it's she has a very striking visual presence. So it's something in seeing her do her jokes mm. is putting people off on some level. Yeah. I don't know why. I don't, and I don't know how. I wonder if the other thing though is, okay. So the female comics of our time mm-hmm. were like Roseanne Barr, uh, Brett Butler. I'm forgetting a few. I know, but in all of their scenarios, they they were in relationships, but not with their equals. If they were in a relationship at all. Like, some of the joke turned on them being, like, the head of the household mm-hmm. and their husband being not a, a, sometimes adult. You can think of a few others, maybe, like, designing women. Or they weren't in relationships, but they were looking for relationships. But anyway, they were in much stronger positions. 
in Whitney, she is playing in a partner relationship with Chris Delia's character, which I think is a sort of different comedy dynamic that we've seen in a long time. Yeah, and I like it. Like, I like it, too. That's one of the things I actually really like about the show is the fact that they're not married. Right. But that they're in a relationship and have been dating for a while. Right. Because that's the, I feel like that's the first time we've seen that part of the relationship on TV. Mm-hmm. Most of the time the relationships on TV they're the couple is married mm-hmm. or they're they're dating. Like the they're the female character is dating and maybe second or third episode went so then she meets you know, she meets the guy or or the um or they just continue to date and those the show focuses around them trying to find the one and it ends mm-hmm. with them getting married. Mm-hmm. But we've never really seen the show where there are people in the middle of or mid, I don't know if middle because I'm thinking the end game is marriage, but maybe the end game's not. But people in a stable relationship that's not married, and what you know what that is. Well, we have. I was because it just fucked in my mind. Mad about you. Yeah. Mad about you. And I think that got weird visceral reactions too. It, and it, it did. And I don't think I really liked it until it like started showing in reruns on something. But I don't think it wasn't our age demographic. It wasn't when, when we were that age. Yeah. But Mad About You might have been a similar type of show where it's these they're a couple, they're in a relationship. I really feel in Mad About You more of the comedy turned on Paul Reiser doing something silly and mm-hmm. then Helen Hunt coming in at the end and going, What the hell? Mm-hmm. And so it's a little different dynamic when the guy has to come in and go, What the hell? But maybe that's I mean, but I, I like Whitney. I think it's very fun. I know people don't like it. I know it's sort of on the bubble. But here's the thing, guys. Like you were saying, like the thing that people, like you said that people don't like it because of her being in this stereotypical gender role. I think that's BS. I don't know. I, like, I mean, I, I just, I've, I've seen a lot people, of reviews about yeah, it. Just been, well, I've asked people. I was like, mm-hmm. why don't you like it? She gets on my nerves. I'm like, what? Yeah. I was like, what, what is it? I mean, because it's, I mean, I feel like you could say the same about the nanny. Like, a lot of people said, I can't stand Fran Drescher's voice. And I was like, fine, but that's part of her shtick. Right. Like, it's her comedy is her voice. So if you can't stand her voice, you can't stand her comedy. That's fair. But her jokes were funny. Yes. Like, and that's another one that I feel kind of turns on the classic comedy card. It, it almost teaches you comedy. Like, that's the basic comedy setup. How do you understand a joke? Mm-hmm. Put someone in a situation. Have her do something crazy. Have the guy she loves come in and go, oh, it's okay. That is our classic American sitcom comedy setup. Yes. And that is what I feel was on The Nanny. I feel it's on Whitney. And people can't say I can't hate her voice. Like, I haven't heard that. I was like, fine. If you don't like her voice, get it. Fine. Yeah. I just find her annoying. That doesn't give me anything. Yeah. Suburgatory. Okay. The first episode nearly killed it because of the so many issues but I think one of them big ones was the gratuitous use of the voiceover Mm -hmm. in sort of pushing the joke home Mm -hmm. like you got that they were fish out of waters in this over the top suburb community what you didn't need was a joke explaining to you hey in case you missed the fact that they're all orange let me explain to you they're all orange Mm -hmm. But in the second episode that we watched, they sort of let that die a little bit, and they just sort of left it alone. And the the episode, I think, worked really, really well. And we're st- I think we haven't gotten to our third episode on that yet, because yeah. I don't know where to find it. I think we forgot to DVR it. Yeah, we did. But I, I like it. I, I want it to stay. Mm-hmm. I really do like it. I didn't know if I would like it from the previews, because I thought the previews made it look like it was too jokey on the suburbs. And I'm kind of tired of this idea of like Stepford Wives suburbs mm-hmm. being the turn of the joke. But I like it. I guess my my beef with it, I, I like it and I enjoy it. I think I would have, I think I would probably like it more if I didn't love Awkward. I just yes. kind of feel like Awkward did it better. Yes. In, in, in my head. And so it's like I watch it and I was like, this is good if I hadn't seen Awkward. But Awkward just 
knocked you out the park. Yeah. So, yeah, so like, I, so I just can't, I mean, not to dog's purgatory. Like, I, I'm with you. I think it's amusing. I think it's funny. I think they did a good job. And for people who don't have MTV, fantastic, awkward substitute. Mm-hmm. But if you get the chance to watch Awkward, it's just way better yeah. than the show. Yeah. Which, by the way, did, I don't know if you saw Glenn's tweet, but carefrontation is, is now, a word. It's now a word. It is now a oh, word. Oh, dear Lord. I was like, what? Someone's using it in normal language. Of course. Um, But I, I like it. It's amusing. I, I don't. I like how subtle it is, and I wonder if people will get into the discussions about how they kind of point this out in the first episode, and they continue to point it out, but, you know, they brought her to the suburbs to remove her from sex and drugs, and mm-hmm. there's more of it in the suburbs than there was in the of city. Of course. And they, and they, but I don't feel they beat you over the head with it. I mean, maybe you thought they did in the beginning, but I like the way they subtly do that, mm-hmm. like add that in. They don't beat you over the head with it is, but, like, in all those different situations, like, it's kind of like, she was probably safer in the city than she is. Right, no, that part, no, they don't beat you over the head with. What I felt they beat us over the head with was the materialism mm-hmm. or the, um, and the, like, quote-unquote perfectionism mm-hmm. of the community. Mm-hmm. That, that I felt we got beat over the head with. Like, they're all orange. They all drive a SUV. They all drink Diet Red Bull. They all, you know, yeah. and I was like, yeah, we get the joke. We, you open the fridge, we see it. Yeah. I kind of want, though, well, number one, um, well, two things. One is Return of the 90s, as you were, as you have been harking on forever. Her whole entire wardrobe. Completely. Complete 90s wardrobe. The, when, like, the last episode we watched where she wore the dress with the Army jacket? Strap. No, the dress with the spaghetti straps with the t-shirt underneath. Yep. I was like, um, hello. Yep. Hello with the army boots. I was mm-hmm. like, that's it. The one thing I kind of want on this show, which they, which I thought would maybe happen in The Neighbor's Little Sister, but not really, because she's a little bit too pathetic, mm-hmm. the, the way they write her, is that, like, I want... She she needs a Jane, like she's kind of yes. like our Daria, but yes. she needs a Jane to be, you know, kind of with her. And I I thought maybe the next door neighbor would be kind of a Jane, but she's not. Yeah. Um, I want a Jane. Maybe mm-hmm. the writers of the show don't want one. They they want her to stay that way. But I feel like her being the only one, kind of a uh, right. floating out there. It, yeah. It, it just there's got to be another kindred spirit that's not exactly like her because Jane was not exactly like Daria. Right. But you know, but just kind of got why she was so disgusted at being in suburbia and i guess part of it too that maybe why they can't do this or maybe where the legitimacy may fall through is that the angst that you get from daria i'm just gonna use daria's name because it's very similar Mm -hmm. the angst that you get from daria is the fact that she was raised in the suburbia and is ready to leave it yes she in surrogatory wasn't. Yes. And and so you could kind of maybe create that angst in the sense that she wants to get back, but like you know, you can kind of see Daria and Jane just spending all their time trying to find a way to get out of this town. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's kind of the same way, but not as much because they just moved mm-hmm. there. So how can she spend all of her time trying to find a way to get out? Like right. she hasn't figured out right the all of the yet. wonderful ins and outs of it. Yeah. Right. Okay. Moving on to the hour longs. Yay, hour long. All right. All right. I am in love with mm-hmm. Pan Am. Mm-hmm. I am very much in love with Pan Am. Okay, so I didn't really know what to expect, and mm-hmm. I was actually kind of trepidatious mm-hmm. about it, only because of the Mad Men mm-hmm. sort of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The Mad Men analogies. Mm-hmm. And the Pan Am thing, like I didn't know if it was going to be like a Playboy Cub thing where mm-hmm. it's like nostalgia for something that never really existed. Mm-hmm. And I was a little concerned about Christina Ricci, to be perfectly honest. Like, I love her. I, and she's one of my very favorite actresses. But 
I wanted to make sure that her character was a side character, or at least that was my impression when it first started. But then the previews sort of, the press, as it got closer and closer to airtime, started making it sound, seem like she was the main character. And I was like, no! She's got to have that side character where she can be awesome. Yeah. But anyway, so the first episode, I was kind of like, eh. The second episode, I was much more into it. And then this third episode, I was like perfectly into it. But I have a new favorite and I don't even know her name. But the actress that plays Colette, Mm -hmm. I think she is awesome. She is so cool. And she has such great storylines. Like, I mean, they really gave her some really powerful, really heavy Stories. The reason I just love her is, she, like, when you think back on it, like, she was sleeping with a married man and his wife and the family get on the plane. She deals with them with such grace mm-hmm. and such amazing just talent that she she lightens them enough to know that they're not going to impact her. But she is just so amazing. And this one that they just gave her about Kennedy in Berlin. And and the World War II storyline. She just walked that line so well. Mm Because she could have gone either side, Mm -hmm. like too over the top Mm -hmm. or too catatonic. But she just walked it so well that you were right there Mm -hmm. in pain with her. Mm -hmm. And you you wanted her to heal just like you want to heal. She is so good. I have to give it to him. I do. Like, we're just going to, I mean, I can talk about Van M to begin with, but Mm -hmm. that episode particularly Mm -hmm. Fantastic. And I like, I mean, I am not part of the Academy or the arts and sciences, but Emmy, like, I feel like the, that the way the epi- that episode was written, mm-hmm. I thought her portrayal in the episode was fantastic. Yes. The way it was directed. Was I still like her haunting singing of, of the German, German national. national anthem. So freaking haunting. Mm-hmm. Like, and just so perfectly done. And we, I mean, the, it's the way that she sang it or however she was directed to sing it or however they wrote it that she sings it in this way but it's a national anthem but you totally know that she is not honoring their country right she's in, she was in all. so much pain and she yes. did it so like well. on a knife edge yes uh, you were just there so well. and I was just like and it was so well written and like I said when the when the episode was done I think I told you I was just I was glad they dealt with it. They mm-hmm. dealt with the Holocaust, and I was glad they that she wasn't Jewish. Like, they dealt with the French-occupied version of it. And I was like, that is a different story that has not been told on television right. yet. And I was like, yes, that was a story that needs to be that needs to be heard. And you have told – you haven't told the whole story. But you have said, hey, American viewer, you need to go do a little bit more research mm-hmm. on this story. Yes. I know the other stories, and I'm not dim- diminishing any of the other stories because mm-hmm. there are such powerful stories that came out of that whole entire fiasco. Mm-hmm. But that was a story that just really has not been told. Pan Am in general, like I was with you. I was on the fence. I wanted to watch it. I was excited about it. I love all things 50s and 60s, which kind of pisses me off that it's becoming popular now because <laughs> from day one, yes. I mean, I bought dress patterns so that I could make the skirts that I wanted and it could not find them in stores to save my life Mm -hmm. and now suddenly it's the end thing I was like excuse me I was getting teased for wearing saddle shoes in high school Mm -hmm. and now Mm -hmm. I thought maybe it was going to fall into the same hole as the playboy club people like oh they're stewardess they're this and they're that and I kind of want people to get out of their bubbles and and I know like I've had my diatribe on the help like while like in my head like a maid and a stewardess are both service position right both women are extremely powerful my beef with the help is that they didn't show how powerful the maids were mm-hmm. until a white woman came and told them how powerful they were right. the pan am 
these women are extremely intelligent. All of them speak more than one language. They right. have all graduated from college, and they get to fly around the world when any other time they weren't even able to literally, like, buy a house, right. like, on their own. So I, they're just these really forward-thinking women. So I don't think it's backward-thinking. And Patricia Ireland, former president of the National Organization for Women, was a Pan Am stewardess. <laughs> yes, she just was. Just pointing that out for <laughs> feminists out there. Just letting you know. <laughs> so it wasn't, like, a completely demeaning job. And I think by people making it, like, people saying that mm -hmm. makes it demeaning and makes them idiots. Mm -hmm. It's like these women, number one, they, yes, they served you drinks on a plane, mm -hmm. but they weren't stupid. I liked, which was surprising to me, mm -hmm. the spy subtext. I, I was about to say. That, was, that completely, I was like, interesting. Because I was like, how, because I thought to myself, really, like, how entertaining can you make flights to and from the U.S.? Like, <laughs> on the plane, I mean, yes, every episode there can be a new set of people coming on with some new set of drama mm -hmm. and possibly like every country you go to there can be but you can only keep that going for so long mm -hmm. but spy stuff you can take that to whatever level you want but i kind of want them to give a little more focus to that storyline because right now it's just sort of been like this is your mission this is your mission this is your mission mm -hmm. but just sort of they they threw it out there and it's really interesting and i'm really interested in it and they and that's also how they managed to get rid of one of the other flight or get rid of quote unquote mm -hmm. get rid of one of the other flight attendants mm -hmm. but i kind of want them to give a little more focus to the spy storyline just to maybe have it interact a little more with the other characters because you're right so much of the show takes place on the plane on the mm -hmm. flight mm -hmm. and it's been that one character sort of trying to get her spy thing done mm -hmm. on the flight I think it would be much more interesting if she has to interact with some of the other stewardesses to get her thing done without giving away her plan mm -hmm. or something like that. Just give it, I don't know, just a little more love, that storyline, because it is so interesting. Mm -hmm. The one thing that I think they're sort of, I don't really know if they know where they want to go. I think they sort of started one place and then when it became Christina Ricci's character, it sort of shifted. The character of Maggie, mm -hmm. you know, like what is she? Mm -hmm. Like we, we first meet her and the very first episode we meet her, she's no longer a stewardess because she's been benched because she was caught out of her uniform. And, but they need a purser, which we still haven't looked up what actually a purser does. Mm -mm. They need a purser, so they run her in and she runs in. But you get the sense that she's maybe a little bit of a rebel or a little bit of just something. And then there was a, the second episode where she stabs the guy because he's getting a little too fresh and then she stands up and she explains why she stabbed him. Mm -hmm. She was like, look, I can take it if he came on to me and if I get fired for this. But what you've now done is you've made it okay for him to try this on another girl who maybe can't. And I like that. But then they, they don't really, this last one or the last one that I watched is not the most recent one. The one in Berlin, she sort of seemed a little flighty. And I get that she was following like a celebrity that she yeah, liked. Yeah, you lose your head. Right. But I'm like, is she a rebel? Is she a feminist? Is she a savvy New Yorker? Like what? What is she? What Why is can't she be all of them? She can be. But right now, I just don't really know where she is. Like, you can kind of... Most of the rest of them, you can you can get a sense of them. And I, I don't feel I have a good sense of her character yet. Well, I guess I guess maybe what you're asking, because I think you have a sense of her character, but I think you're asking why is she a flight attendant. Like, the rest of them, you can kind of see uh, the... The two sisters are running away from their controlling parent, one right. from a marriage, one from the controlling parent. Right. You kind of figure that Colette doesn't really have any family. She mm -hmm. doesn't really have any, you know, any place to go or be or settle down. Right. 
she's I think she's maybe running a little bit away from her demons mm-hmm. um, and and flying kind of all over the world. So we just don't know why Maggie's a flight attendant. Right. Like we, we don't really see her running away from anything. We we don't know right. if she's running away from anything. We don't know if she's running to anything. Right. We don't know why she's working. And right. so I can, I will give you that. I mean, so I don't know if they necessarily need to find her, but I guess I would like to know why she is a flight attendant. Yeah, the rest maybe. of we got the best of the stories for this. The one thing I think that they can add, if this show keeps going on, is integration. There are no black people on there. No. Pan Am didn't have any. Right. So we just here, but they eventually did have to integrate because I know a couple of black Pan Am, <laughs> Pan right. Am flight attendants, and I think that would be another very interesting storyline if they tell it properly. They would probably work that in in the second season. They could, but if they tell it, I feel like that could be Emmy Award winning if they do it right. They could be. I mean, they do have a. A, one of the people in the cockpit mm-hmm. seems to be a person of color. He they don't really pilot. explain it. He's a pilot. He is a pilot? Yeah. Okay. He's a pilot. He's, like a, he's their co-pilot. Okay. They needed yeah. three pilots for those planes? Yeah. It was a, well, it was a transatlantic flight. Okay. So <laughs> they have to switch out. Yeah. Okay. To, to let people sleep occasionally. But yeah. So. Yeah, you're right. I But I could see that as sort of being, I mean, if they wanted to go big or go home, they could do it in the first season. I it, they think but they got to do it right. They have they, to do and, it right. And I feel like I feel like I they I, I just feel like they the writers there have raised the bar for themselves just saying by doing that last the episode where they went to Berlin. I've, no, okay, Berlin. Berlin. Okay, I've seen, they, yeah. they raised the bar because they did that one with a different spin. They got to tell if they do the integration, they have to tell a story yes. that I haven't heard yet. Okay. You know what I mean? Like cuz they I mean they just raised the bar on it. You're yeah. just like you guys did such a great job. You told this story and and it, uh, uh, in the same way, but through a different voice. And I was like, you got to do that for integration now, or else mm-hmm. I'm just going to say, like, you slept on it. So yeah. I am challenging you, Pan Am writers. Uh, you have raised the bar for all of us out there. Yep. I like revenge. Okay, I really, you. really do. Tell me on it. I didn't think I would. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'll sell you on it in four words. Mm-hmm. The Count of Monte Cristo. I don't count the. <laughs> Let me do that again. Let me five, sell you on in five, five words. <laughs> the Count of Monte Cristo. Okay. Because essentially that is what it is. Okay. And they don't hide it. They're yeah. like, it is a Count of Monte Cristo story. Mm. It is a story of a person who was wronged, goes away for many years, comes back to essentially exact revenge upon people who don't recognize them. Mm-hmm. You know, they have changed so much. Their stations have changed so much. Mm-hmm. But the the hurt is still there, and she's come back. Emily Thorne mm-hmm. has come back to uh, seek revenge upon the people who put her father away and ultimately had him killed. Mm-hmm. And they don't recognize her because um, she's changed her name. It used to be Amanda Clark, mm-hmm. and she has a lot more money and this, mm-hmm. that, and the other. But it, even in that, it's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. It is a lot of fun. There are eight people because the that she is exacting revenge upon, and so the G in the revenge is actually a number eight. Mm-hmm. It's odd in a few ways. One, it's supposedly is supposed to occur in the Hamptons or just mm-hmm. one of those vacation spots between Memorial Day and Labor Day. So it really has a very defined mm-hmm. timeline. And they started the very first episode with this, the end of the story. Okay. The, a scene from the end of the story, almost like you always want series to go (laughs) but a scene from the end of the story and then they go six months earlier Mm -hmm. or three months earlier this is what happened and this is how it started so you kind of know that they have an ending that Mm -hmm. they're writing to and apparently they have about eight episodes to go through it how she exacts revenge on these people is very entertaining 
it's very entertaining to watch because she she knows exactly how to play them and as a person who does not usually buy into wasp drama Mm -hmm. this is so very interesting to watch play out and what touch points people Mm -hmm. have on certain things and and the mistakes that everybody makes Mm -hmm. but just also sort of the wasp code words Mm -hmm. that get people in Mm -hmm. or leave people out it's just very fun to watch the most recent episode that I watched though did what I think it needs to do in order for the show to continue past this first season because essentially if she exacts revenge on all eight she's done something happened in the last episode that I watched where she didn't actually put any of the pieces in play and still a character that she wanted to exact revenge upon got mm-hmm. taken out. So now you have to deal with the idea of you've put enough pieces into play that now some of these pieces are playing on their own. Mm-hmm. And they're playing out in plot lines that you didn't ask for and anticipate mm-hmm. for. I don't know if it's going to change how she does her future plots, mm-hmm. but it definitely makes it a little less clean, mm-hmm. which makes it a lot more interesting. Mm-hmm. I really, I really, really do enjoy it. And I was never really a big fan of Emily Van Camp. You had seen her on Everwood with the, and I had known about her from Everwood because you always talked about crazy Amy seeing Amy with the bangs. I had seen her on Brothers and Sisters and the character that she played on Brothers and Sisters wasn't a likable character, at least in the beginning. So I wasn't a big fan of her then. I mean, I liked her as an actress just fine, but I wasn't, I didn't really like, I like her in this. I really think she pulls this off really well because it's the role that she has to do is cold and false but then there's a heart beneath it for avenging avenging her father Mm -hmm. and she pulls all of those off I think it's quite clear Madeline Stowe is having a lot of fun Mm -hmm. with this character and that's what you need you know like it's a it's a sort of goofy show but they're not playing it as goofy Mm -hmm. but they're having a ton of fun playing it you Mm -hmm. can see that Mm -hmm. just being absolutely evil to each other oh you know what it's sort of like i don't think i ever watched it when it got to this point it's like dynasty yeah but it's like dynasty meets count of Monte cristo Mm -hmm. and so there's just high drama because there's high money and a lot of secrets and a lot of imperfections Mm -hmm. but then you've also got this element with all the same money and whatever being able to like f with them Mm -hmm. and it's oh it's a lot of fun Mm -hmm. it's it's really entertaining So the other show, hour-long show, that we both watch and we both like and I think is a hit and other people have these visceral reactions that they hate is Heart of Dixie. Amen! I like it. Schwartzy, well done. Yes. Um, it, and it did get a full season pickup, so it's yay. good. It's safe. I think it's amusing and entertaining. I think it has the potential. For me, it reminded me, and maybe it's because they used the same set of Gilmore Girls. It, <laughs> it has that, you know, you have this fish out of water character story. I was never really a Rachel Bielsen, right? Uh-huh. Never really a huge fan of hers. Never watched OC, so didn't really care for her on the sea. She did a couple guest spins on the Chuck, and she was funny. As mm-hmm. new, the sandwich person mm-hmm. on Chuck. I thought she was funny and amusing. As, and so I didn't watch the show for her. Mm-hmm. I just watched it because I thought it was an interesting plot. Like, I, yeah, me I too. I was like, this is, this is actually could, could be a very funny plot. Lots of food to make things mm-hmm. funny. Um, because it's a small town, they have created all of these other side characters. So even if you don't like Rachel Bilson's character, you have all these other characters that you can grow to like and fall in love with, which some of them have. have. You've become mm-hmm. your favorite or not your favorite. I feel like they need to start fleshing out some of those more outside other town character lines because in my frame of mind, I feel like the one show, like there are bellwether shows for different things. I feel like the one show that did that well was Gilmore Girls. Like it, 
it's a certain point it was there were the Lorelai's and it always kind of focused on Lorelai's but at a certain point it became about Stars Hollow not just the people in Stars Hollow but Stars Hollow because you got to know them mm-hmm. all like Melissa McCarthy I wouldn't have been such a huge fan if they hadn't given her such a big character and there were certain huge plot lines that mm-hmm. she they were all Suki. Yeah, they were just completely all Suki. And so I want, I would like them to, well, they still will obviously focus on Rachel Wilson's character to begin to flesh out those plot lines so I can fall in love with the town. Yeah. And and begin to like like the town. They are making some of the characters less two-dimensional, given Lemon, Breland, other, other things, and introducing some new characters to the town and putting yeah. different layers on people. But I think it's a well-written show. It has the foundation and the potential to keep going for years yeah. without getting bored. I mean, they've set that up yeah. right right off the bat. I agree. And I from the first episode, you got introduced to uh, – he's just really good at this – Josh Schwartz meaning really good at bringing in characters that you need to know and giving them giving you just enough information without overwhelming you with exposition mm-hmm. you know from the first episode we knew that the attorney would be someone we needed to know that the Brick Breland would be mm-hmm. someone we needed to know Lemon Breland would be someone we needed to know the mayor would be someone we needed to know and Wade that's mm-hmm. five people in addition to mm-hmm. Rachel Hart what's her first name Zoe Hart Zoe Hart Zoe Hart six people first episode one hour Mm-hmm. You know, and clearly it was all about Zoe, but we found out these other characters. You're like, I want to know their story. Mm-hmm. What's their deal? They've sort of left off a little of the actual medicine, the practice mm-hmm. of medicine, which I'm not entirely certain they need. Mm-hmm. It does give it a little bit of a, a center yeah. if they keep it focused on the practice yeah. because they've sort of spiraled out into this. I want to be part of the community storyline yeah. that can only go so far. Yeah. If they sort of cycle it back to the practice with the dr- and if they cycle it back to the practice, then yes, they can go on forever mm-hmm. because there's always going to be something stupid mm-hmm. that happens in the practice or around the practice. And then you can spin out those other stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I really, really, really like it. I think it's very funny. I almost I need them to make a few more jokes about the fact that Rachel Bilson only wears shorts, mm-hmm. but I, I just really love it. Yeah, I all right, I have one last I'm in love with show. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have this under new fall TV for me, even though it is not a new fall show. Mm-hmm. And this is, you kind of know exactly where I'm going with this. I don't know what you're yes, going you with. The Sing-Off. Oh, yay! <laughs> Finally, <laughs> I feel vindicated. The Sing-Off for me is my, and I'm putting it in new, even though mm-hmm. it's in its third season. It's a new fall show that I'm desperately in love with. It's, Squirt was right. Yeah. <laughs> Out of the box, it's always right. Right. This season, of course, like every other season, it's got acapella choirs competing for a record contract. The judges are Sean Stockman, Sarah Bareilles, and Ben Folds, mm-hmm. who, to be perfectly honest, I did not think Sean Stockman would really have anything interesting to tell me about acapella choirs, even though he is from Boys to Men. I am pleasantly surprised by the comments and feedback that he gives. Sarah Bareilles, I just will always love. And Ben Folds is, of course, just genius. Nick Lachey could go. He's Quai- like Ryan Seacrest. Everybody has to hate him, but you have to have him there. Ugh, mm-hmm. The choirs are great. All of the choirs are actually really, really great. Right now, where I am, I just finished watching the Guilty Pleasures episode. So I was nervous that the choir that I really, really liked, which is Afro Blue from Howard University, who they just have this awesome sound, 
was gonna get voted off, but they stayed. I was very happy that they stayed. So, but I just really like it. I've always liked acapella. Yeah, you've always liked acapella. Blah 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 blah. blah. But let me just say, <laughs> in in the sting off, as to why she's a year late to this. I was a year late to it to begin with. <laughs> so but I'm two like, years late. I'm two, yeah, she's two years late. So I watched the second season, mm-hmm. and like I think I had started watching it because Glee had finished, and like I the first like Glee had a weird first and second season of Glee. yeah, it did. It and really like did. you know, it started in the they showed one episode in the summer and then came back and showed it in the fall and then I don't know it was weird but anyway Glee had ended I feel relatively late okay and then um people were like kind of like oh America's sting off blah 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 whatever stations answer to Glee mm-hmm. and I was like okay well I miss my Glee people and um and then they had said something about how on the next season of Glee the winners from the sting off would be on Glee. Oh, were they? It, yes, but it was the wrong thing off. I'll tell you in a second. Okay. So I was like, okay, well, so I'm going to watch this thing off. Mm-hmm. So I watched, like, the second or third episode, and I am not a fan of reality TV Right. Shows. See, that's I, my problem. Like, I'm not a fan. I mean, I well, yeah, I'm not a fan of American Idol. I like I like the, I watched the first season, but I hate the embarrassing, like people getting on there and embarrassing themselves, singing, people being off key, not being prepared, and they're just on for people to laugh at them. Yeah. But the thing with this thing off is that every single person is talented. Mm-hmm. Like all of them, some of them are better mm-hmm. than others, but there's no group on there that they have on the show just for the judges to make fun of. Right. Which I liked about that to begin with. And I liked about the begin with second is that all of them are serious about music. Cause you could, cause part of the, some of the things with like America's got talent or, um, X the, sing, the X Factor or Sing Off or, any, or not Sing Off or of American Idol is that there are some people on there who seriously just don't have any talent but think that they do and so they get up and do it but if, if you're in a group of five or more people someone's going to call you out right and odds are if you're in a group of five or more people not all five of you are not talented right <laughs> so it's like you know there's there was no one on there that wasn't talented and so then I watched the first one and I was like oh my gosh they're so good and I was addicted like every single week and I was telling you about it I was like you gotta watch this thing up no I don't want to watch this thing up I don't want to watch it on the TV shows well I didn't because I didn't want them to be voted off I know and I, I didn't like I remember Remembered there was that. Remember before the sing off, there was that really short four week show that NBC had on, like America's Choir. Yeah. For the holidays, mm-hmm. and I didn't. I watched the first few of that, and I didn't like that either. Yeah. And so there was sort of nothing to tell me that I would like this, except for me. Except for you. And I was like, it's so good. And like, and I was telling you about the band Committed, and I was like, yes, they were spectacular. And you showed me some of those clips, and yeah. I liked them. And I was like, you just don't understand it because part of it is that they the all everyone who's on the show is an artist like all of them are like all of the choir they get together they arrange their songs they arrange the choreography and sing it and so you so they're not just getting up there to be on tv they're getting up there because they love to sing and they love the talent that they do and that's what makes it i feel that's what makes the difference in the show because on some of the other shows you feel people are on there just to get famous right not to sing just to be seen not to yet not to do anything yeah the thing with them the band being on glee the winners from the first sing-off okay. were in the original Warblers on Glee. See, and that's actually where I wanted to talk to I wanted to bring that up, too. Mm-hmm. When people were like, because I remember the promos for the sing-off, too, where they were like, it's so-and-so's answer to Glee. The, my issue with that is, except for 
one or two songs in the first season of Glee, Glee doesn't do acapella. Exactly. They they kind of can't. Mm-hmm. They're not enough people. Mm-hmm. They had in the first season of Glee, there were maybe about nine kids, maybe eight kids. They, there were nine. They had to make twelve in order to be right. And so they they kept, but like. Except for the very first time they did Don't Stop Believin' where they really had the dun, 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 dun. You know, they don't do a cappella. They have a pianist behind them. They have a, a band that just yes. shows up wherever yeah. they want to sing. They don't do a cappella. When the Warblers came on, mm-hmm. they did do a cappella, mm-hmm. which I really like. Mm-hmm. But the, the part of doing that sort of a cappella is you need a ton of people mm-hmm. to make that sound. Mm-hmm. Of course, as the sing-off is showing us this season, you actually don't need that many people. Mm-hmm. But you do need a different sort of sound. So when people are like, oh, this acapella thing's like Glee, I'm like, oh, so it's not going to be acapella. Yeah. But this, the sing-off is pure acapella, acapella. Is. which is awesome. And so well done. And like, in, in order to create that, it's good. So yeah, so that was who ended up being on. But I don't actually think they're on anymore. Like, I think it was just, like, when you first met the Warblers, they mm-hmm. were in... They were one of the groups. Not one of the groups. Oh, they were some of the guys. Yeah, some of the guys yeah. in, the, in the thing. That makes I'm, sense. Yeah. I'm not watching this season, but, I, but I've watched a couple clips, too, and I told you this before about judges, too, because this is the other thing that also ticked me off about judges. Like, every show had to have the mean British judge that insulted everybody. Right. There was the female judge who really didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. And then there was just a third judge. Mm-hmm. And so when I first watched it, I was like, oh, fantastic. So um, when I was watching it, they had Sean and they had Ben Folds and they had Nicole Scherzinger as the, the female mm-hmm. pretty judge that you stared at. I really didn't give much credence to Nicole or Sean. Like, occasionally they said stuff that was important, but most of their stuff was kind of semi-constructive layman criticism. Mm. But I felt Ben Folds actually gave constructive Always. Like, music criticism. Always. Not just layman's criticism, but like you were sharp or flat or your rhythm was off or you mm-hmm. needed to change the alto section. The other songs were just like it was a good performance or your sound was kind of weird, which yeah. is like layman's criticism. But I have to say, like, I, and I said this the last season, I was like, I always agree with Ben Folds. Yes. Ben Folds is like my celebrity judge counterpart. Yes. And then this season we were watching like a couple performances and I was like, they were just a little bit flat and blah, blah, blah. And then Ben Folds did the exact same yes. thing. And I was like, me and Ben Folds are the same celebrity judge. See, and I was actually thinking about this too. <laughs> I want Sarah Bareilles to give me like constructive criticism on my life because <laughs> she she comes in on some of that musicality too uh-huh. because she used to sing a cappella and she of course is her own singer in her own right so she sometimes picks up on the high or uh-huh. the, the sharp or the flat or the uh-huh. pitchiness but she gives it in such a nice way and she sort of does the sandwich the criticism sandwich uh-huh. that everybody says you shouldn't do but she does it in such a way that you sort of leave feeling like okay it's okay uh-huh. I hear you but it's okay uh-huh. I want her to like hire herself out to give like annual workplace <laughs> reviews or something <laughs> and be like so you've been a little late but when you're here your work is awesome so you know if we could just work on that that'd be great but overall you're just really awesome so i'm uh, sorry about the sing-off i just want to um, put forth a few of the uh, groups that i liked i'm not gonna trash any of the groups but there are some groups that really sort of caught my attention I'm really kind of interested in. One I said, of course, was Afro Blue, mm-hmm. which is they are students from Howard University, and they're really sort of more of a jazz a cappella group. Mm-hmm. And so being on the show as as an a cappella group that has to do a lot of different styles, I really think they're pulling it off in mm-hmm. sort of doing this interesting. Plus, they're mostly black, and they got one white girl, and mm-hmm. she's so very funny, but mm-hmm. clearly she's mm-hmm. in it, and she's part of the family, but it's it's such an interesting look. Um, but they're all really, really cool, and I like them a lot. North Shore. Mm-hmm. 
the five guys from uh, Boston. from Boston. I love them so much. Their version of Bruno Mars' The Lazy Song was just too freaking adorable. The last group that I'm really interested in, not because of their performance on the sing-off, but because of what they described as their band sort of setup, is Sonos. And they, I think, are five people. I think they're from L.A. I don't really know. Maybe Northern California. They do acapella, but they also use, like, pedals to modulate their voices Mm. when they perform. Mm. And I'm really curious as to how that sounded. They weren't allowed to use any of them on the Mm sing-off. And I think that was because of that. I think they were a little more exposed mm-hmm. than they prefer mm-hmm. and so I'm not sure if they put all of their heart into their performances mm-hmm. but I'm really interested as to what their sound is usually like mm-hmm. it's really interesting they, there are a lot of other really great groups but those three are the ones that are sort of sticking in my head right now as of right now Sonos and North Shore got voted off so Afro Blue is still on the show but the others are not but I just I'm I'm loving the season and I know I'm going to be heartbroken probably starting with the next episode mm-hmm. about like who gets voted off mm-hmm. but so far I've been semi-okay with the people they've been voting yeah, off. Yeah and that's the thing too is it's like the people like the people get voted off and they go away but you know it's a hard choice you know mm-hmm. they're split in hairs mm-hmm. you know it's like because they are all so good so you're not so it's not like what was a kid's name not David Gruretta David or Chris that young 16 year old I remember on American Idol who was not very good um, Sanjaya? Maybe it was Sanjaya, yeah, okay. who was, like, not very good, but just kept staying, and everyone was like, why won't he get voted mm-hmm. off? Because all these 14-year-old girls want him to stay on, but he mm-hmm. can't sing. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, all of these people can sing. Yes. And, and for if any of them were to stay, you're kind of like, yes, all of them will, and you know, all of them could stay. We are seriously splitting hairs when mm-hmm. we decide who's going to leave the show, because it's just, they're all so good. Yeah, at this point, they are. And in the early part... The reason I was okay with the first episode where mm-hmm. they voted off two people per mm-hmm. the first round is because I, I think I sort of told you this. The the point of this show, just like the point of the X Factor, is to and American Idol is to give someone a recording contract and sort of market them to the world. There are some groups that don't need it. Mm-hmm. They don't need a studio to market them. Mm-hmm. They have their own mm-hmm. preset Shit. marketing mm-hmm. thing just built in, mm-hmm. like. There was a there on the first episode of this uh, season. There was a family, mm-hmm. a family of acapella singers. Mm-hmm. You don't need any studio to market you. <laughs> you market yourself to any studio. Any studios like we've got the press release pre-written. Yeah, you know, like it's seven kids from one family. It's the Von Traps next. You know, yeah. like you could just take that anywhere. You don't need a recording contract to make that happen. Mm-hmm. There was another group of. Um, people who were part of I think the Nigerian conflict and they lived in a refugee camp and started singing in the refugee camp and then came to America and kept singing as part of sort of the you don't really need national television to make to give a recording agent something to sell you with you know it's the people that are sort of still around Mm -hmm. who are just acapella groups who they maybe don't have much going for them like one group, and I really don't... Can I just bring this up? There are a few groups on here who are college groups mm-hmm. who actually have, like, the college names in them. Mm-hmm. Like, the Dartmouth Airs is mm-hmm. one. There's another group from Brigham Young. There's no way in the world that even if they won, they would be able to keep the name Dartmouth Airs. Mm. You know, because they just... you. I mean, Dartmouth would have to agree to that. Maybe. Maybe they did in order for them to be on the show. Maybe. I just... I Like, I... I 
the vo- the groups that have won in the past two seasons have not really had any sort of college tags to them. Mm-mm. There, I think it was Noda in the first mm-hmm. season and then Committed mm-hmm. in the second season. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, and there have been college groups in all mm-hmm. the previous seasons. I can't see a college group going the distance with a name of a college in your title. I, I just, I, I don't really see how that could work mm-hmm. just for so many levels. But anyway... But, I mean, so in the early stages, a lot of the groups that got voted off were just groups that didn't need Mm -hmm. someone to to sell them. But then there are some groups like Afro Blue, which is, yes, they are college kids, but they're different age college kids. But they if they were to go to like a studio, the studio would just be like, yeah, you're cute. But what's your what's your angle? What's Mm -hmm. your pitch? They need an angle like we won the sing off. Yeah. You know, Dartmouth Airs doesn't need an angle. It's Dartmouth singing group. They can cut an album now. Yeah. But anyway, so that's me on the sing-off. I like it. I love it. If you want to continue any of the conversations that we've started here, you can follow us at My Fave Neighbors on Twitter or through our blog, which is myfavoriteneighbors.blogspot.com. This is Sis. And this is Squirt. Thanks for stopping by. You'll know us when when you see us. us.